ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Okay, Norman, I need you to put your headphones on. Okay, I'm just um, putting them on. Yeah, okay, I've got them on. All right, and so, I need you to close your eyes. Okay. And God, let... This is like one of these trust things. <laughs> I'm not going to make you fall back into my arms. I want you to just let this um, audi- auditory experience wash over you. Okay. How are you feeling? Look, it's very nice. It's very nice. I, I feel slightly anxious because it's the sort of music you hear in a spa before you get a massage, and I hate massages. <laughs> so you're feeling more anxious. Are you feeling smarter? Are you feeling sleepy? I'm not feeling sleepy, but if it went on for much longer, I'd be gone. You know, I, re- I really would be. It doesn't take much. I'd be napping, you know. Do you feel like your brain waves have altered in any kind of way? No. Oh, well, that's a shame because that's uh, what you're listening to there were binaural beats and there's all sorts of claims around them. And today's question is really about whether there is any science at all to underpin those claims. And we're answering that question because you're listening to What's That Rash? I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor coming to you from Jagera and Trouble Land. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan, well out of his depth here on <laughs> Gadigal Land. Let's get into it. Today's question comes from Grace. Hi. So I'm a student and I was just wondering if there was any science behind binaural beats because I kind of need all the help I can get. Okay, Tegan, you're going to have to convince me here. What are binaural beats and how do we recognise them when we hear them? Well, okay, yes. So there is some science to it, at least from a physics point of view. So binaural beats, what you're getting is an auditory phenomenon where one ear is hearing one frequency and the other ear is hearing the other frequency and your brain kind of generates in itself a third frequency, which is the difference between the two. So let me uh, kind of give you an example. If you've got one ear listening to one tone at 300 hertz, the other ear is hearing the other tone at 310 hertz, and then the binaural beat you hear is at 10 hertz. Which is extra. It's, it's extra for the same price. Exactly, exactly. And so what you sort of have is those two slightly different but similar wavelengths cancelling one another out almost. And so you've got this little bit of leftover waviness that is creating a tone in your head. And the idea is that it's meant to trigger or enhance different brain waves. And does it? Have they actually have they done research into that? Well, we know that there are different brain waves associated with different states. Delta waves are linked with sleep. Um, gamma waves are associated with concentration. Uh, these are like the different squiggly lines that you get from like an EEG. So the theory is if you can trigger those brain waves, maybe you can trigger those states. But in terms of binaural beats, we don't actually know whether they can trigger certain brain waves. There were studies that happened a few years ago, didn't really find an effect. More recent studies have. The problem with all this research, though, is that the way that they're measuring these effects differs from paper to paper. So it's hard to come up with a conclusive answer overall, even though individual studies have shown evidence of brainwave changes. So there's still work to be done. But if it can be proven and implemented, I mean, we're not just talking about brainwaves, we're talking about all sorts of different behaviours and states of mind that then arise from that. There are claims that it gives you better sleep, that it makes you feel better, less anxious, that makes you more focused, which is relevant to Grace's question because a lot of people use this 
as a study aid to see if they can, it can help them concentrate and retain more information. It's pretty non-specific, but different nerves in the body could respond in different ways. I mean, you could be taking, presumably you can get a binaural uh, beat, which is very specific for one effect, and then another one might be specific to another effect. In other words, I mean, when you've got the DJ just sitting there spinning the discs, do they, you know, are, are they spinning for sleep or activity or anxiety or anti-anxiety? It's quite interesting. Oh, Norman, all you need to do is go on YouTube for like 30 seconds. There are different mixes that are meant to be specifically engineered, curated to help you. You sort of select the mood that you're trying to get. So this one helps with focus. This one helps with going to sleep. Let's talk about the evidence because I've sort of danced around the idea that there has been a fair bit of study and there doesn't seem to be much evidence. There's a couple of studies on kids and adolescents with ADHD. Parents and adolescents in one of these studies said that their inattention improved and a study on adults, they found that there was also an improvement on studying performance. But it's funny It's funny with these studies because when they looked at the sort of stats, they said that they didn't see an effect. But if you asked people to self-report, they said that they did. So could it have a negative impact? Well, it's funny you should mention that. One uh, study that looked at whether it was useful in studies, as in like studying, found that actually it could be a distraction. So some people, they, they surveyed like a thousand people, they gave them um, music to listen to or not, and they told one group that it was going to be useful to them and they told the other group, just listen to some music. So they're also testing for like a placebo effect. Um, if you believe that it's going to work, does it work? And what they actually found is that it didn't really seem to do much. And in fact, in, in the group that thought it would work, they had lower productivity because they were, um, I guess, distracted by the music versus the people who were just working in a silent environment. And they've done a study, I love, I love stories on What's That Rash Which Make My Buttocks Clench, and this one, <laughs> there apparently has been a study of people undergoing colonoscopy without sedation, which just does my head in, but listening to binaural beats and see whether or not that helps them reduce their discomfort. Yeah, I mean, if there's if there's a procedure that I really, really want to be sedated for, I think it's a colonoscopy. But of course, you know, they've got to look for ways to help people. Maybe there are reasons why people can't be sedated. And actually, yes, the feeling of pain was lower and the scores of comfort were higher in the people who listened to the music versus the people, those poor, poor people who didn't. Yeah, I need the binaural beats during the bowel preparation rather than the colonoscopy. But let's, okay. I mean, it's, it's not new. I mean, the, a couple of hundred years ago, I think, was the first description of, um, of binaural beats. Yes, this is very fun. So the the phenomenon of binaural beats was actually discovered. Whenever we do this show, Norman, I'm always amazed at how early some of the research is, 1841 by a Heinrich Wilhelm Dove, who was also a meteorologist. Soap, did he? No, <laughs> no, uh, not of Dove soap fame. He was the person who observed that tropical cyclones rotate counterclockwise in the Northern Hemisphere and clockwise in the Southern Hemisphere, um, spawning that infamous Simpsons episode. So did Professor Dove win a Nobel Prize for this? No, well, I don't know what happened with the cyclone thing, which sort of feels slightly more, I don't know, important and relevant. But yeah, the binaural beats were sort of a curiosity. Uh, until the 1970s, there was a Gerald Oster who noticed that some people, like the people were different in how they were sensitive to binaural beats. Some people with some neurological conditions actually 
couldn't hear them. And so he wondered whether they could be used as a diagnostic tool and the, and the science in them kind of took off from that, from there. So 1970s, much more recent. It would be really interesting to study the binaural effects of psychedelic music. So when you have psychedelic therapy, they choose the music incredibly carefully to induce a psychedelic response to the psychedelics. Yeah, that is interesting. And someone should jump, someone should fund that research. Yeah, I mean, I should tell you a story. I was on a plane once, and I was reading. I was a, I was a, I was coming back from overseas, and I was interviewing Michael Pollan at the Opera House. And who'd okay, re- who'd brag, re- brag, brag. Yeah, and that's right. <laughs> Name drop, and it, it was on his book on changing the mind, which was partly about psychedelics. So I was reading this, and this air steward comes up to me and starts talking to me about the, his favorite psychedelic music and what he gets up to. And I thought, <laughs> God, did they drug test you before they got on the plane? But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Well, the thing is, when I'm listening to these these beats, I do feel relaxed. But I think it's because, so like, unlike you, I actually do enjoy massages. I sometimes have done that float therapy thing where you go and float around in the really salty tank. And I enjoy oh, that's yoga. That's thing that makes me feel anxious. Yeah. Oh, on. really? It's so, yeah. you're buoyant. It's fantastic. Yeah. But they play that music in places like that. And they play it in yoga, which is something that I enjoy as well. And I do wonder whether you feel relaxed when you listen to that sort of music because you associate it with a relaxed state that you've been in before or whether there's actually something specific to the music that's inducing that in your brain. But the thing that I think about with this one, Norman, is a lot of the stuff that we talk about is like therapies that people are making and making money off of. Whereas with this one, it feels like there might not be a lot of use to it, but listening to pretty noises probably isn't harming you or making you poor. So uh, if I could, just to summarise, Tegan, I mean, what, just listening to what you're saying is, look, there could be an effect. You might get a different effect with different binaural beats, so you've got to actually work, work out your music. It's probably not going to do you much harm. Um, just don't empty your bank account into somebody's wallet thinking that you're going to get a huge benefit. Yeah, exactly. Pretty music. I mean, don't don't be a hater. It, it sounds nice, but it's probably not going to change your life. And I just the final thing I want to know is, you know, with the mast pipes and drums, do you get binaural beats? I suspect you might actually. Okay, bagpipes, well played. Bagpipe bands, I get like teary when I listen to them. I find them very moving. They are multi-oral beats. Well. Bagpipes aside, we have had some feedback on last week's episode on caffeine. The verdict is in. We asked listeners to tell us whether they thought that you were drinking too much coffee, four shots a day, and they do. They do think you're drinking too much coffee. You know, is this like 100 people, you know, 300? How many people have actually said this to you? 66% of the respondents said, "Oh yeah, you need to cut back. Cut, cut, cut the crap. Two, How many? Two out of okay. three. All right. Two people. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, we've got tens of thousands of um, people listening to Watch That Rash. So two out of 10,000. I think I'll stick with the four shots. Look, with the, the people have spoken, Norman. But if you want to send us a question... Or a comment on Norman's caffeine intake, please do. You can email us at thatrash at abc.net.au. Or you can go to the ABC site at Instagram and direct message us. Yes, we're at ABC Health. And uh, while you're thinking about what's that rash, while you're mulling over your questions to us, maybe think about a friend who might like to hear it as well and send it to them. Yep. And if you haven't already subscribed, do so wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) But we'll see you next week. See you then.
What the Duck is the podcast attracted to weird nature, like magnets to a fridge. I'm Ann Jones and I can't help it. Pigeons make milk. Some people describe it as a yellow kind of cottage cheese consistency. Pigeons have famous relatives. The pigeon and the dodo are in the same family. And pigeons were partially responsible for the French Revolution. Let them eat squab. What the Duck has a new season out right now. Check it out on the ABC Listen app.